0: Welcome to the Told Me podcast series to learn and develop for medical educators from the Frank H. Netter, MD, School of Medicine. This podcast is for busy medical school faculty who want to expand their knowledge in teaching. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Coplett, and I will bring you interviews with experts in medical education, fellow faculty, and medical students to discuss the issues most relevant to today's medical educators. This podcast was recorded in the spring of 2020. COVID has changed a lot of things, but it hasn't changed the fact that our learners need feedback. Over the next 30 minutes, I'll be talking to Dr. Luba Konapasek, Senior Associate Dean for Education at the Netter School of Medicine, and a feedback expert. We'll be talking about how to give effective feedback, what to think about beforehand, helpful language to use, and how to help learners reflect and participate in the process. Luba, you have a lot of expertise, In giving feedback to clinical learners and helping other people give feedback to clinical learners but tell us how you got interested in this area of education
1: well first of all thank you for the warm welcome lisa um i think for me feedback has been central to my career as an educator it's really one of the first faculty development workshops I ever attended and also the first faculty development workshop I ever delivered. Um, it's very much tied to my interest in communication skills and to begin with that was really thinking about the physician patient communication skill access but then I realized that a lot of that also could be applied in communicating with learners, communicating with faculty and so I've tried to blend, if you will, my work around communicating and sharing information um, with the patient with education.
0: Hmm. So I have a feeling we're probably going to come back to that a little bit and how those things have connected for you. I want to think about, before we get to the practical pieces of this Mm. and how you do it, I want to think a little bit about feedback as a topic. So I do a lot of workshops on giving feedback. And giving feedback is the most popular faculty development topic, and I believe in my conversations with faculty that the reason for that is because it can be really challenging. Mm. So I'm curious from you, you know, what are your thoughts about why do you think it's the most popular topic?
1: Well, so first of all, I, I so agree with that, and I've actually found that in doing faculty development really internationally around the world, everyone has asked for this same topic. Mm. So this is um, uniformly a challenge in, in education and perhaps in life um, across the world. Uh, I've given feedback um, workshops in China and Israel and Qatar, um, just to name a few. And again, people have asked for this. And I, I, I think that when you talk about the, the issue of challenge, I think it relates to, um, A lot of times faculty are taught the way, teach the way that they were taught. When I begin my workshops, I usually ask about um, people's experience with giving and receiving feedback. I find that often people haven't had very effective feedback delivered to them, Uh you know, as a feedback receiver. So I I think it sort of begins with that. Um, And then there's so many other issues such as... um, Really understanding the content of the feedback that you want to deliver, being deliberate and intentional around that, and thinking about making sure that it's not just medical, minimal feedback, that, the, you know, that was a great job, mm-hmm. or you need to read more kind of feedback. Um, and the other piece is, I think sometimes folks are quite comfortable in delivering the what you did well feedback, and much less comfortable delivering the this is what you might do differently. Yes. Feedback. Yes. And and they honestly, it, it's interesting how educators can feel quite intimidated by giving that feedback, even down the, the continuum of medical education hierarchy. Um, and certainly, the the other piece that you sort of alluded to was feedback to each other, um, feedback to to fellow to colleagues, and, and that, I think that's particularly um, challenging. The other big bucket of challenge, of course. Is um, delivering feedback, sharing feedback on issues related to professionalism. Mm. So um, I think that's that's kind of another piece that I found that folks are very challenged
0: by and, and um, hope for more assistance with. And I have a lot of questions around this because I'm so interested in the part that the challenging part. I I think it's interesting the psychology of it of why it is so challenging mm. for us for I'm and I'm right in the mix of everybody else. Um, And I think my feeling about the professionalism piece is because it's, you know, we try so hard when we're giving feedback to not, uh, we're not making judgments on the individual, uh, on on who they are as a person, right? It's Mm. meant to be about their performance, and it's meant to be more objective. And that's one of the things that gives us uh, that allows us to give feedback. I think a little more freely is when we feel that it's more objective, but it's very difficult to give feedback about professionalism mm. that is not about the person. And I think, I think that's why that particular topic is so hard. Do you think, would you agree with that? I I,
1: I agree. And I think for, in terms of the feedback receiving piece of it is it threatens your professional identity. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I think often, you know, when you sort of think about self-assessment Um, and the self-assessment literature being um, quite clear that the people who are least competent are the least able to Mm self-assess, sometimes the folks who are really struggling with the professionalism issues really don't have a lot of insight into those pieces. Um, And I think that makes the feedback conversation especially challenging when there's a disconnect. As to the point about objective versus subjective, I think that that's a challenge throughout medical education. And the reality is there's a huge amount of subjectivity. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, And how to have that conversation, um, being mindful of that. Um, Sometimes we talk about intention versus perception. So I understand your intention might have been this, but the perception of others was this other piece has been, that's, that's been some language that's been really useful. Great.
0: That I find that that's such a great way to do it because you're giving the person the benefit of the mm. doubt. You're saying you're. T- I, I don't. I believe that you want to mm. right be functioning at the highest professional level, but right. you need to know what it looks like to others. I I think that's such a helpful way to do it. Um, and so I want to also get back to this part about why it's hard for us because I think with any with any progress and any behavioral change, just for like with patients for us, we have to figure out why we don't do it to figure out how to do it. Uh, and, and what I've noticed is that, you know, feedback is, is important in every industry. And yet I do have the sense from some reading and some interactions with others in other industries that we've seemed to find it harder and more challenging to give and get feedback in medical education. And yet we're responsible for training people whose. You know, are going to have others lives in their hands. Right. So wouldn't you think that we would be the most willing to give feedback and yet we find it, I think, a little more challenging than most. Why do you think that is So
1: I I just want to completely agree with you. Um, I have a daughter who uh, is an actress and watching the way that they give and receive and integrate feedback. It's just a totally different story in terms of expectations it's just expected
0: and it's, it's yeah okay and,
1: and, and i think this gets a little bit to this this conversation around the growth mindset um and this idea that uh, that feedback is really about learning and improvement um i think in medicine we have quite a lot of fixed mindset mm-hmm. that's that's about being really perfect and i think we set folks up with that from the beginning where you have to jump through these extraordinary hoops of perfection to even get a seat in medical school. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to
0: be a very high achiever to even be here. So.
1: Absolutely. And so anything less than perfect is really worrisome. Mm -hmm. So I think really thinking about how do we say we are all struggling with different things. We're all growing. Um, why we would all like to be perfect, that's really not entirely achievable. Um, and the, the giving of feedback to really make people feel good about what they've accomplished and, and feel good about sort of where they are and confident that they can get better. Um, I'm just not sure that any of us really got feedback in that way, mm-hmm. or even necessarily have that mindset as we go into the feedback conversation i think the other piece that happens is that there's been such a focus on feedback on the fly kind of giving feedback in the course of your work Mm -hmm. i'm not sure that everyone has prepared sufficiently before they go into the feedback conversation
0: you mean the more um, global feedback conversations
1: or any feedback just sort of the, the what is it that i actually want to communicate uh, what's yeah. my single overriding communication yeah. objective here? Yes. What's my SOCO? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think um, being sort of very deliberate about that that preparation and what's the most important thing that I need to communicate and, and, and how might it be received? And is this just about communicating or is it actually making sure that it's delivered in a way that the feedback might be integrated? So that's kind of another pitfall that I see where, where it's, it's very feedback becomes this very expressive exercise mm-hmm. where I've told you mm-hmm. and I've told you. Right. And that's I've good. told you that's good, and right? therefore that's good. I've And laughing? it was hard to tell yeah. me, it was hard for me to tell you. And now I've yes. told you, yes. so I've given you this gift, yes. please, please take it. Yes. and And it's not always, I think it's not always received as a gift. Right. Um, I feel this, the, the issue of challenges, like we could just go on and on yes, about I that. Know. And and, and I, I will say that, although I, I, I just want to just like say, I, I do lots of talks about giving feedback. I do lots of coaching about giving feedback and it's still something that I struggle with. Um, it's still like, uh, I, oh, right. The same.
0: I, Absolutely. I I still, Absolutely. you know, I'm,
1: I might have a little more self-efficacy than your average bear, but it's still really complex. Yeah. I, I think just one more thing that is, I think, really tangled for us. Um, when we talk about medical education, usually the people who are giving the, doing the formative assessment, the giving of the feedbacks, yes. are also the people who are going to be quite responsible for yes. a more summative assessment. Yes. And so that, I think, inherently becomes a little bit dangerous for all parties involved, uh, particularly for the medical student. Um, And and I think that's a way that um, we might be a little bit different when you talk about feedback and other professions. Um, It's not necessarily always tied to a grade. Um, Yes. Right? Whether you're coaching. It's just a performance. Whether you're coaching for a sport, Mm -hmm. whether you're coaching an opera singer, Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think... Again, this sort of gets back to this idea of our students really trying to constantly perform at an exceedingly high level Mm -hmm. because it feels like they're constantly being evaluated and only perfection, the honors grade, Mm -hmm. is acceptable.
0: Yeah. I realize, so I I do want to get practical. Uh, I could talk about this all day. I think it's so interesting. But I I realize that there are many techniques or, or methods to giving effective feedback that are based on the literature. So for the purposes of our listeners, can you describe one technique that you think is most useful for a busy clinical teacher?
1: So um, I do a lot of teaching around ask, tell, ask, which is uh, really from the communication skills literature. And I always feel like I'm, I'm doing like a, a little bit of a comm skills workshop as well as a feedback workshop when i talk about this so ask tell ask really came from um, the the com skills literature around sharing information with patients and the first ask is about finding out what your patient knows the tell is the building on what they know and the ask is clarifying for understanding and you can use that same system um, in giving feedback to learners Um, and the ask becomes a quick um, self-assessment, uh, finding out what the learner's level of insight is. So how do you think things went? What were you working on specifically? Um, what was it that you wanted me to look for? And and by the way, with that first ask, I also teach the feedback receiver uh, to even think if someone's going to be watching them, ask their uh, supervisor to watch for something specific so that then again getting feedback is much easier when you're being asked mm-hmm. to watch for something specific it's just the way that if you were learning how to serve in tennis mm-hmm. you probably would start off by saying you know i'm having a lot of trouble tossing the ball in the air can you mm-hmm. watch for that mm-hmm. so that's that first ask so again when you're a feedback giver even if you haven't done that pre-work what you can do with the first ask is just get a sense of what it was that the student was working on. Um, I find that really helps frame the feedback conversation and make it much more efficient because then you're not just open-ended with sort of this um, lack of clarity around how to focus the conversation. So after that first ask, once you've gotten a sense of what it is that your learner is working on, what their sense of um, their performance, their competences at that moment, you want to build on it with a tell, just as you do with um, communicating with patients. And the pitfall there is to make sure that you react first to what the learner has told you. Because one of the pitfalls that I've seen is the learner will tell you their perspective, and then the um, teacher will just just offer their perspective (laughs) and and the two don't necessarily go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes it's hard for the learner to integrate the I think two I together. <laughs> I, I, and I'm sure that <laughs> I, I still do it sometimes, right? Sure I, have I, I happy, think but. just one other pitfall that happens is um, sometimes the teacher will ask the ask, mm-hmm. and then they really won't allow enough time for silence to let the person have think and come Mm -hmm. up with an answer, and they will very quickly jump in with their own answer Mm -hmm. to the ask. So anyway, ideally, you've asked, you've gotten an answer, you're gonna work on your tell, you're gonna react to that answer that the learner has given you, and then build on that with some of your own ideas. What's tricky there is really thinking about how can you focus the feedback conversation to make it useful that it's really on the learner's edge really sort of at the point where they are struggling at the point they are working. And again, to go back to tennis, if you're an, an awesome server and you know, to <laughs> serve really well, you probably want your coach to be working with you on the part of serving. That's really hard for mm, you. Yes. So again, focusing that conversation on what have you seen? That's, that's a little bit of a struggle. Um, because the other pitfall I think of giving feedback is that minimal when you're a busy practitioner, that was great. Mm-hmm. That, was great. that was great. You did well, that you're doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, so, they don't know
0: what they were doing.
1: It, exactly. Yeah. So it is great to give positive feedback, mm-hmm. but you want to coach it in something specific, um, or couch it in something specific. I, always, say, I always
0: tell people just to remember to say, because yeah, right. So that was great.
1: Because. because, I love that. Yeah. that that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of, that's your tell piece. And then the final ask is either clarifying there's a shared understanding of what was discussed. Um, but perhaps more importantly, that final ask is having the learner come up with strategies for improvement mm-hmm. and how to integrate the feedback mm-hmm. going forward.
0: That, I think that is the, that is the transformative moment. Yeah. A feedback. That's where the dip that to me, I think that's the difference between um, somebody leaving feeling demoralized and, thinking, you know, oh, I'm a terrible doctor and I'm never, or I'm never going to be a good doctor, you know, even for the most small, right. Um, the most small corrective feedback between that feeling and feeling literally empowered of where, wow, you know, there was just this, this one piece that, that I needed to work on. And I, and this person has given me a window into how I can do that. And otherwise I'm doing all right. And that's the majority of learners are in that space, but that, how, how can you manage it? You know, so many of our, uh, our trainees, they're, they're, I think they're pretty insightful. They might be afraid to share their insights about their own performance, but many of them know where their challenges lie and if they knew how to fix them, they would, right? So it's that how can you move on piece that's so transformative.
1: I I think the other piece for me is in thinking about what's the goal of this feedback conversation. It's a lot about the relationship, and not just the relationship between you and the learner, but the relationship writ large of feedback giver and receiver, understanding that you're building a culture of feedback. Every single time you give feedback, you're actually setting up the learner to have an understanding of what feedback might be like.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So for me, this question of, at the end of the conversation was this relationship building, even if it was a difficult conversation, you know, with some of those most difficult feedback conversations in the end, are we, are we okay? Is the door left open for us to continue this conversation? would you want to hear my um, feedback again Mm -hmm. (laughs) or are you going to be backing away from me as I'm coming down the Mm -hmm. hall? Those pieces are really important for me as I'm concluding the feedback conversation. And, and something that you said a little bit earlier, which is leaving that learner feeling good about themselves and wanting more, I think is so, so important because that's kind, of, that's kind of it, right? As we're trying to promote this growth mindset and, and really encouraging our learners to seek feedback, mm-hmm. not just to receive it and integrate it, but actually actively seek it out. Um, I think that's a really important piece, the building of self-efficacy at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, this may have been hard, but I know this is gonna be better mm-hmm. next time. From our conversation, you have a lot of great strategies, around what you're going to do. I really appreciate that you're going to do this, 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 and that. Those are the kind of, that's the kind of language that I use in conclusion. And then one more piece, ideally, you're going to watch them again, right? And when you talk about that busy practitioner, if they can figure out a way to at least one more time, see the person, it makes such a difference. Um, And again, back to tennis. Imagine if I was working on my serve and my coach watched me. Do my toss mm-hmm. gave me some advice, and then left me forever.
0: Right. And so <laughs> you're gonna have somebody new yes. next time.
1: Yeah. You that, know, you know it, it's not gonna work as well. And I think it's actually really rewarding to commit to watching one more time. If someone was struggling on something, mm-hmm. saying, "You know, I'm, I'm gonna be there to help and to yeah. to watch and to give you feedback again." Yeah. Um, and you know, when it comes to professionalism. Um, kinds of feedback. It's also useful for the student to know that, yeah, this is something that's going to be watched again. I'm, I'm quite certain that this is going to go better for you, but it's not like business is going to go, you know, it's not going to be business as usual after this feedback session and you're going to be flying under the radar. Yeah. But yeah, this is something that folks notice um, and not just me. Um, I'll be watching and I'm I'm confident that this is going to go better for you in the future.
0: Yeah. And that that's one of the reasons I I really love the ask, tell, ask, Model, because I think, think that it organically takes you through that process, and it's and it's also very easy to remember yes. what you're doing. It's um, equally easy to remember as a feedback sandwich, and yet much more effective. I yes, think. we call it the tastier feedback
1: sandwich. Yeah, the <laughs> sandwich. So that old feedback sandwich, that like good bad good, we call that like a, a, a bologna sandwich. It's not a good sandwich
0: it is If used repetitively yes then people just are waiting for the hammer to fall right or they might not even hear the hammer right there are some folks who will be
1: it'll all be about those good slices of praise and ah, that little tiny bit of of constructive feedback can't possibly be important because there was all this awesome stuff around the well, sides. Well, that's
0: the other piece <laughs> that you said, and some folks, right? Because people are yeah. so very different. Yeah, absolutely. That it, it, the the way that you give feedback, the 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 amount of aligning with your learner and relationship mm. building you need to do, all those things run such a spectrum with the person who's sitting across from you. Yes. And why does that matter? Why can't we just tell them, hey, listen, this is this is, you're going to be taking care of patients. So you've got to get it together and you need to fix X, Y, and Z. Bye-bye, see you later. The problem with that is that the whole purpose of feedback is improvement. And human nature is such that if we do feel that our professional identity has been assaulted, we're going to shut down. And we're not going to hear it. And we're not going to incorporate the feedback anyway. So if the purpose of, we have to reach people where they're at. So I love the model for that reason. Um, So I was thinking maybe we could just try it. I know I didn't, we don't have any scenario, any prep for this, but I was thinking that might be instructive because hearing the theoretical part of it is harder. So let's say I'm an intern and I am having a really hard time getting to attending rounds and to noon conference and Mm. to getting out on time because I'm just, I'm really disorganized and struggling with that. It's really common. Right, and internship. I and I and as
1: a attending, I won't have any idea of what the problem is. I'll only see that you're not there once again, Lisa Coplett. Yeah, right. You've been late. Yes, Lisa Coplett. You intern. You bad intern. You right. Unprofessional. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and and yeah, I've I've now given you the Scarlet P, of, of of unprofessional behavior. Right. Um, and I have no idea what the deal is. Yeah.
0: So, right? le- so let's just try just a quick as to last just so we can demonstrate the ATA. Right. All right.
1: So Lisa, um, I've noticed that you've been late to um, some of our work rounds. And I just wanted to um, give you a little bit of feedback on that. But also, I wanted to begin by asking you, what's been going on? And you know, what kind of what is it that happens when you're arriving five minutes late? I just would love to to understand
0: that. And I am so sorry that that keeps happening. I I didn't, I never used to be late to things in medical Mm. school, but I'm, there's so much to do when we're done with work rounds in the morning. And I've got this huge list, my massive to-do list. And I, I'm really struggling sometimes with where to start, you know, the, the attending Mm. says, you know, I need to get this radiology study done right away. And yet we're getting pressure to discharge the patients who need to be discharged first, and I sort of don't know what to do first. Yeah, so I hear
1: that, and I just want to level set that even though it may look easy for lots of people, that's such a fundamental struggle for all interns, honestly. And even later on, quite frankly, when I'm caring for patients, that question of dealing with the tsunami of work and how do you prioritize—it's kind of a lifelong learning piece. So I completely hear that, um, and you're absolutely right. This is something that you need to be working on. I want to bring us back to this moment for a moment to this issue of timeliness for for work rounds, um, and just I want to make sure that um, you that we're clear on what time work rounds actually are supposed to begin. So just. And I know you know, but just tell me so that I know you know.
0: Uh, you mean attending round? Yeah. Oh, you, oh attending round. So attending round well, they start at eleven.
1: Uh-huh. And and what's your sense of what time you need to be there?
0: Well, I know I need to be there I'm supposed to be there at eleven, but I but you know, I've been told multiple times patient care first. So right. I'm think I have to I've gotta get my discharge stuff in, I've gotta get radiology and lab work ordered. Got it. So I feel like that that has to come first because the attending rounds is my learning. So I feel like my learning shouldn't come over.
1: Uh, See, that's incredibly helpful to understand your perspective. So um, in terms of the attending rounds, um, the reason that we really do need to start on time is that there are consequences for everyone else at attending rounds who were waiting for you. And so Mm. we're not able to get to our work when we wait for Mm. you. Um, so that's kind of one like very practical issue of you not getting there on time. I, I I, I sort of hear the, we put patients first piece. And I think there's always this, this tension between we put patients first, but in order to do that, we need to take care of ourselves and also our colleagues well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, what I, I just want to be clear that really uh, you do need to be at attending rounds on time. Okay. I'm hearing that part of what's keeping you from being at attending rounds on time is getting all of your work done appropriately. And I, I actually want to give you a little feedback on that. I actually hear really good things about your work with patients, that you're really connecting with them beautifully. I got a, a, a wonderful... A um, bit of feedback from Mrs. Brown's um, daughter about the work that you're doing with her. that's that's awesome. Um, the balance of all of that, when to have the conversations with the family, when to be doing all of the work on your to-do list. Um, I actually would love to sit down with you and look at that and help you prioritize that.
0: Thank you
1: because you know it's funny how we started this conversation talking about, being on time for attending rounds, I had no idea you were struggling with that because you're an awesome performer. You're doing really well mm-hmm. as an intern. So I, for me, here's Lisa, superstar intern. I just had no idea why you weren't coming to attending rounds on time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that's really helpful. So how about if we make time, um, what, what's a comfortable time that we can actually do Let's just, I know you're busy, I'm busy, even 15 minutes to look at your list and really talk about the prioritization. When would be a good time for that?
0: I actually was, I wanted to sit down with my resident, but then my resident right after work rounds has to go to um, morning report. So really, if we could, right after work rounds would be great if you're here, because I feel like that would be really helpful.
1: Awesome. So how about tomorrow, right after work rounds? Do you have any other sessions right at that moment? Is there no. any other kinds of rounds that are happening? No. So, so why don't we do that? I'll, that will work for me. Um, and, and, and do that. Now I do want to come back to why we first talked about, so the first thing that we were talking about timeliness of coming to attending rounds. Can I hear from you just your sense of in this conversation, where we've been and, and kind of your commitment to action.
0: I, I hear that it's, I hear that it's just as much of a priority as everything else. And, that, and I think that if I can improve my ability to organize and prioritize in the morning, that hopefully I'll be able to, to do that and not be, hopefully I'll be able to successfully do it and get my work done first, rather than having to leave the priority work and get to attending rest. Awesome. But either way, I will be there at 11.
1: Awesome. That's, that's
0: great to hear. All right. Thank you. Okay. So, I mean, that was totally unscripted, but I think that, uh, I think it's pretty realistic. That's a really common problem. Right. right? And I what wish... I heard, I just want to say what I heard yeah. was a lot of direct feedback. You did not let me off the hook at all, but I still felt like you cared about me and how I, and helping me.
1: And, and I think, um, I, I'm glad. I think for me, as we did our unscripted, uh, feedback session, you know, the, back to the intention versus perception, and you know, especially like with a great resident, if they're not showing up on time for rounds, that's where they get really. You're like, what the
0: heck? Yeah,
1: are they not respecting their teammates? Are they not mm-hmm. respecting me? There's a whole bit lot of inference that gets that gets in there. A lot of mm-hmm. assumptions, and it's actually, um, I think it actually creates a really bad feeling and actually it contributes to a lot of stress within the team yeah um whereas if
0: you talked about it yeah yeah um yeah it's decompressing that yeah so I, I hope that was useful for people who are listening uh and i just at the very just the very end because we're done uh, we're we're done with our time and i i want to make sure we just give an extra couple minutes to coaching because it's so important i wanted to finish up with the concept of coaching so it's mm it's a very new movement in medical education mm. and yet not in a lot of other industries. And I was hoping you could tell us just a little bit about how do you, how do you differentiate coaching from feedback? And is this just another name for feedback or is it something that truly is different and needed? So I, I it's really
1: interesting. I think this question of even what is coaching, I think for most of us in medicine, when we think about coaching, we think about kind of the sports Coaching construct and it's a lot of direct observation and feedback so feedback is part of that So that's kind of one part of the coaching conversation I think the other kind of coaching is more of the executive and and oh by the way for that in many ways You need to be a content expert because again you know, if I was trying to learn tennis and I had like a golf expert helping me, it probably wasn't going to help. It's not going to help it completely. Um, So, and then there's sort of the more executive coaching, less directive kinds of coaching, which can be very helpful, especially with folks who are struggling with professionalism issues. And that's really more about asking open-ended questions, understanding more of the patient's perspective, patients, the learner's perspective, building on their strengths um, and creating a strategy for going forward. Um, so those are the two, and as I think about coaching, those are the two kinds of different styles. I think many people in medicine read the Atul Gawande New Yorker article about how much he, how helpful he found coaching with actually bringing in an observer into the OR to observe him and give him feedback. So in that setting, it's very much about observation and, and feedback. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of coaching, I think is absolutely critical. And, and just to be clear, there was observation, I think a lot of time we're giving feedback based on inference and assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, the direct observation is is really critical. And if you haven't directly observed, then having that that ask and, and intention versus perception um, conversation is, is, is critical.
0: So, and then just to define it, take just one more question around the definition of that. How, what would make me different? I'm giving feedback to somebody uh, to say that I'm a teaching faculty member mm. versus I'm, and I'm just giving you feedback versus I'm, I'm your coach right now. mm mm-hmm. I'm your clinical skills coach or whatever it may be. What's, what's, the, what's the difference, do you think, in those terms? You know,
1: I think that being a coach is a part of being a clinical faculty member circa 2019. I think there was a time when what faculty members did was they were knowledge transfer agents.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that ship has sailed I think there are so many uh, uh, sources of knowledge that's available to all of our learners that um, really thinking of ourselves more as coaches, as curators of information to help them find the right information, um, and really changing the time we spend, not to just let me tell you my favorite. Let me give you a a mini-lecture on my favorite topic. Mm -hmm. Um, Use that time instead to go watch something and give a little feedback on it. Um, I think that you'll find that um, it's really um, very meaningful for you as a teacher um, and meaningful for the learner and um, creates uh, a culture where people where everyone really is learning and growing. And there's a lot of reciprocal gain in that feedback conversation in that relationship. Um, And it doesn't actually take that much time. So going back to the, why do I not give feedback? I just don't have time. If you're a clinical faculty member, coaching is kind of what we, what we all need to do. And when it's done in a focused way, it actually is a, Big time saver. And when it addresses issues as I did with you and your lateness at attending Uh rounds, um, it's a whole lot of prevention in terms of creating a a more functional team um, and promoting well being for all.
0: Great. I want to say thank you. And thank you for giving us some of the theory. Thank you for giving us practical a practical uh, model that's helpful and a little inspiration to embrace the role of coach. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. This was the Told Me podcast to learn and develop for medical educators from the Netter School of Medicine Faculty Development Program at Quinnipiac University. I'm Lisa Coplett. Thanks for listening, and check out our next podcast, the second episode of our three-part series on giving feedback with Dr. Taranjeet Ahuja, Director of the Initial and Advanced Clinical Experience Continuity Clinics at the Donald and Barbara Zucker School of Medicine. We'll talk about how to write useful narrative feedback, which are the comments that we write at the end of learner's assessment forms. She has some great suggestions, so join us then. I would like to thank the people who contributed to this show. Katie Lyons, our fabulous producer, and David DeRoche, our program director. For more information on other faculty development opportunities at Netter, email katie, K-A-T-I-E dot L-Y-O-N-S at Q-U dot E-D-U. For more information on all of Quinnipiac's podcasts, visit Q-U dot E-D-U slash podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Q-U Podcasts.